2: You may have noticed there are strange tallboys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer, it's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. So that can you see your coworkers cracking open at your 9am meeting? It isn't beer, it's liquid death. So why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Drinking water from a freezing cold can is actually way more refreshing than a bottle, trust me. Plus, it is way better for the environment and the economy. They're still, they're sparkling, mango chainsaw, buried alive, and my personal favorite, severed lime. And they are now armed with 3 grams of agave nectar for even more brutal flavor. So I'm going to enjoy this can of lime, and you can go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday.
3: 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packet A Podcast. You can get all your Packet A updates by following us on Twitter at Packet A Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host Andrew Mertig. Andrew, how are you doing? This fantastic. Friday let's say it's Friday that's when everybody's listening
2: (laughs) yeah it it's good right um, one thing that we wanted to do before I kind of talk about where we're at uh, from a Packers fandom standpoint is just a, a friendly reminder: um, next Tuesday is a really important election for all of us. So everybody at Packaday Podcast wants to encourage people to get out and vote. So so whether you've already voted or planning to go to the polls on Tuesday, it is really important to you know research the candidates, know know who you're voting for, um, and then you know figure out if. They they do or don't align with your values and what you feel is important, and then make your voice heard. So, um you know, hope hope that everybody gets a chance to do that. And uh getting back to football, like, listen, this season hasn't been that great, and the Packers didn't make a major move this week, so that's frustrating too. And uh Maggie's gone for a while to kind of rein us in and, and bring us <laughs> back to reality, but. I thought to myself, like, how do we make this enjoyable? Not just the show, but right, like the rest of the season. The first thing is, like, this is football. It should be fun. Even bad football should be fun. We're, we're watching this Thursday night game as we're recording this, and even though Thursday night football is sometimes atrocious, it's still better than not football, and like we crave this all offseason, and to take it for granted because of a rough patch is something I'm just not willing to do at this point. The second thing is this team can turn it around. I'll, like I'll admit, it certainly doesn't look like they can right now, but there were some positives from the second half of the bills games. Um, whether or not you want to view that as a positive or negative is totally up to you, but Green Bay Yes, they've been wildly inconsistent all year, but the good news is the veterans on this team can help steer the ship back in the right direction. Like, will they? I don't know. But that's the fun and drama of professional sports. And then third, something entertaining is likely to happen. Either this team goes on an epic run and we have playoff football, or Green Bay fans are going to get to see a roster and coaching staff rebuild. Like, I know Kyle and I are all about roster building. And I think we're both a little bit disappointed that that process didn't start this past off season to accumulate like the ton of assets we've been dreaming about forever. But there are plenty of teams around the league showing that quick turnarounds can happen. Even teams that have less resources than the Packers will have. So Rogers they're not, I do think that there's some really, really interesting things to come. So uh, hopefully we can continue to talk about those and keep you all entertained.
3: Yeah, there's no getting around the fact that this season has been just as disappointing as Andrew described. There's no avoiding the disappointment when it was all supposed to be that one last Super Bowl push, right? That's what this team was built for, like literally put together to do one last time. And it's just not working out that way, or at least it hasn't yet, right? Like Andrew said, there's still time. Uh, but Andrew, we've, you know, we're both that roster-building fanatic. We love it. I think that that's part of the reason we can enjoy football, even in the midst of these frustrations. There's always one more layer to analyze. There's always another angle to consider how all this works together. And there are 32 teams. You're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. And just to be so frustrated that that's not happening, it's just not realistic. And so as a fan, it's about finding true fandom in the midst of disappointment. It's loving your team even when they're still trying to figure it all out. And the Packers clearly have a lot to figure out. And so it's going to be interesting to pay attention to this second half of the season and see how they do navigate all of these things on and off the field. Just like you said, lots ahead of us, lots of drama. It's going to be interesting. So don't give up on this team just because they're not playing their best football. It's still going to be a great journey. But you want to talk about what we're actually here to talk about today? Let's do it. Okay, so the Packers they do play a game this weekend, Andrew. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, they face the Detroit oh, Lions. Yeah, I mean it's kind of surprising, but they're they're going to play a game. Um, they're in Detroit on Sunday, and we're here to help you get ready for this one with another one of our rounds of key matchups and X factors, as we always do. We're going to dive into the Lions, their roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the football game. And then, of course, we're not going to get out of here without giving you our X factor predictions. For the week we need to start a hot streak there I think but uh, let's go ahead and get started Andrew what is your first matchup that you're going to be watching
2: when our Green Bay Packers take on Detroit this weekend yeah it is a little funny that you said like there is a game this weekend because it does sort of feel like between the like reactions one way or another about the Bills game um, you know reactions in that it was a positive yeah. reactions that it didn't really matter. They got blown out by a, a really great team. And then the trade deadline. Yeah, it kind of seems like the game has been forgotten about. Right. And so hopefully we can help reset you there. Uh, and my first key matchup is Frank Ragnow against Kenny Clark. And to me, Ragnow is one of the best centers in the league. And we know how good 97 for Green Bay is. But we, we haven't heard much from Kenny during this rough stretch. This is a chance for him to recover some of that early season momentum and really make an impact on this game. The Packers defense has allowed some pretty gaping running lanes. And in fairness, a lot of that has been the poor play around Kenny Clark, not him himself. But if he can get back to penetrating and being disruptive, everything gets easier for those around him and the linebackers behind. So it's it's a lot to ask of any nose tackle, um, especially one who already gets so much attention to just dominate a really good player in Ragnar himself, but the Packers need this to be a plus matchup to have a chance to slow down a very good Lions offense.
3: I like that one a lot, and of course, you know, I'm upset that you stole my Kenny Clark uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff on the show, right? But uh, let's get into mine here, Jair Alexander versus Amon Ross St. Brown. First, I feel like these are two of my favorite players in the entire league, regardless of the teams that they play for. I love the edge that Jair brings all the time, and he definitely brought it last week. I think he's the biggest reason that Green Bay had any fight late in that game. Uh, And then Amon Ra's story is just, it's so fun. So many teams passed on the guy. He clearly plays with that chip on his shoulder and just so fun to watch out there. But they are going to see a good bit of each other on Sunday, or at least they should, right? For whatever reason, Joe Barry has been hesitant to let Jair shadow opposing teams wide receiver one. Uh, but this should be an opportunity for Green Bay to shut down the scariest piece of the Lions offense in St. Brown. If they don't choose to do that, I will be confused. There's sometimes times where, you know, they're trying to play sides, they're trying to play matchups. But in this one, it just seems like there's a very logical way to play this um, and take that away. But with Hawkinson no longer on the team, Jamison Williams not available yet, Green Bay should just commit their best resource to stopping St. Brown. And Jair, no surprise, is clearly the best option there. So we'll see if they do it.
2: Absolutely. And I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson against Yash Nyman and company in uh, parentheses. This Lions defense is bad like they are. They're just bad. Their secondary is kind of solid, I would say. But the rest of their defense stinks with the exception of two rookies. And, you know, if you watch Hard Knocks, you know about Malcolm Rodriguez and he's made some plays, but he's still a rookie linebacker, kind of learning his way. Uh, but the person everybody should be aware of is the number two pick in the draft, Aiden Hutchinson. He He's had some ups and downs in his first season, but has shown the flashes to believe he's going to be a great pro. Hutchinson... You know, you talk about, like, which side is he going to line up on. He's been relatively equal, uh, you know, as, as far as snap share from the right and the left edges. It does skew a little bit to the left side where he may be more comfortable. But I'm willing to bet that, unlike Joe Barry moving Jair around <laughs> to match up with the best player, that Aaron Glenn is probably going to move Hutchinson to the more favorable matchup. So I think he would love to keep Aiden away from Bakhtiar as much as possible. So I do think Yash sees a bunch of 97 for the Lions, but the Packers won't let Nyman have to live on an island, especially given the lack of threat from the rest of the Lions pass rushers. So I expect a healthy dose of double teams and chips And if the Packers can neutralize the rookie, that should finally give Aaron Rodgers the time he needs in order to throw. Absolutely. Going to be really interesting. Obviously, we hope Bakhtaria is out there. If Tom
3: ends up out there again, it would be like his, I guess, second position in two weeks, you know, bumping back out to the edge, potentially. Just a total, I don't want to say nightmare, but just so interesting how this offensive line is just constantly moving Pieces to try to make it work, but an interesting one to watch there for sure. Rashawn Gary versus Penny Sewell is my next matchup here. It looks like Sewell is turning into a really nice player for the Lions. He's living up to that draft type for sure. He's PFF's 14th highest graded tackle. Now he mans the right tackle spot, so that means he's probably going to see a good bit of Rashawn Gary, who is PFF's 12th graded pass rusher. So sometimes you highlight a matchup because it's a strength, on a weakness that you're hoping to exploit. But this is one about two guys who can take over a game. It's going to be fun to see if Gary can get anywhere uh, with Sewell, Sewell, or if Sewell's dominance does continue. Uh, If Gary can be neutralized, it's going to go a long way in helping the Lions offense stay on the field and give the Lions a real chance to win this football game.
2: Yeah, and here's the thing. I was done, right, with two. But Kyle came up with a third key matchup and i want to give him a chance to shout that out so we have five total which we normally would have done six with maggie so i guess it, it makes sense but um i was being lazy this week i okay. we had two so kyle you get to go ahead i've got another one here
3: for you um it is aaron jones versus the lions leaky run defense and it feels like we are just going back guys to the mike mccarthy era When we're begging for those touches for Aaron Jones. Well, last week, Jones was finally utilized and it went really, really well for him. Obviously, it's a weird game script things that they had to do to stay in that game. But he was really good. Jones currently has the third highest rushing grade in the NFL among running backs for PFF. He's the best running back in the league by DVOA. Wow, DVOA. There's some letters there. (laughs) He's really good. When he touches the football, he's been great. Uh, This week, he faces a Lions defense that's allowed the sixth most rushing yards to opposing running backs. And this one is crazy. They've allowed almost two rushing touchdowns per game to opposing running backs. So my goodness, like that's 14 points. Just to, like the running back position is crazy. So Jones has to be an essential piece of this running game. It has to be an essential piece to the game plan in general. He has to be right. Lafleur has to call the plays. Rodgers has to let him be the focal point, right? He has to let him maybe be the hero. Uh, but there's no reason that Aaron Jones shouldn't have an absolutely monster game on Sunday
2: afternoon. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really, really good opportunity to see if either the Packers figured out the, the game plan for success in the second half against the Bills, or they were so petrified of throwing the ball against the Bills that they just reverted to that and now they're going to go back to their old ways that we don't think work now against the Lions. Maybe throwing it a bunch will work, sort of. But if we want to see a real explosion on offense, I think they need to run early. They need to run often. And then they need to work in the quick pass game, play action, deep shots in order to be successful there. So um really like the way that you lay that out. That is our key matchups. But now we get to transition over to X-Factors uh, going into this week's matchup against Detroit. And I am going to get us kicked off and say Kylan Hill for my X-Factor. And I am hoping that he is active this week. Because (laughs) if he is not, uh, well, I've done that before, actually picked an X-Factor that ended up not being active. But (laughs) (laughs) hopefully Kylan's back. He's been tweeting like crazy. He's excited to be back. And man, I think this could be a really, really big deal for the Green Bay offense. He should be able to take back the returning duties, at least the kick return duties. To the best of my knowledge, he doesn't have punt return experience, which would be great if he yeah, did yeah. or if they trust him to do that because, oof, this has been a rough season. But um, maybe that's something he can work on. I don't know. I, I don't know if they plan to put him back on kick return duties, especially since he got hurt there. Depends on how valuable they find him in the offense. But where I really expect Kylan to make a splash is on offense. He can be the gadget guy on jet sweeps. And even when he isn't getting the ball, he's a threat to stretch you horizontally. And I I also like that he gives the Packers the ability to stay with two running backs, even when Aaron Jones needs a breather. I've, I've kind of gotten the impression the Packers tend to go really vanilla on offense when it is just A.J. Dillon. And now having Kylan Hill, he provides you enough playmaking to be able to go with those two running back looks, even when Aaron Jones needs a breather. So I expect Kylan to make at least one big play in his return game. Um, and, you know, hopefully he's active this week so I don't look super stupid. <laughs> Let's start
3: a section at the end of the show where we predict an unlikely inactive. Like, we have to pick
2: who's the guy. Everyone expects to play, Just, but it, this guy it's, is yeah. – are Bakhtiari and Elton just rotating weeks? Yeah, now? That's that true. seems like pretty easy prediction. Yeah, we just we just picked those guys.
3: Jeez, man, it's been rough. Okay, so my X factor here is Samore Toure, and this kind of feels cheap after he made a name for himself last week, but Rogers clearly thinks that there's something to Toure. And the Lions have Jeff Okuda, but not a lot of other depth at corner. And I want to believe that if Green Bay is able to run the ball, it will set up some shots down the field, which we know that Rodgers has just been itching to make. Even in the midst of trying to run the ball, he wants those shots. I think Toure gets a couple big targets. I think he makes the most of them on Sunday afternoon. I will say that the caveat to this is if someone like Christian Watson is able to go. I know he's got to get through the concussion protocol, and that's obviously the most important thing. But you saw it on Rogers' face. You saw it on LeFleur's face when he went down last week. They wanted to feature him last week, and he adds something to this offense. So, I mean, I think Toure still has a, play, a role to play. But if Christian Watson can get back out there, I think you could see some big plays from both of those guys this week.
4: Hello, friends. By now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water, and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yeah, and I, I think plenty was made of of the adjustment that Touré made uh, and sort of the trust that that begins to build with Rodgers. I just think that's that's such a more complex thing to do uh for a young player than anybody really knows right Mm -hmm. like It's easy for us watching on TV to be like, oh, Rodgers scrambled out of the pocket because we're watching the pocket. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why aren't the receivers moving? Well, by the time you get done running your initial route, usually like you turn around and the play's over. Yeah. Yeah. um, If you're not getting the ball. And so for a young guy to turn around, recognize immediately what's happening, make the right decision and then run to an open area. Wow. Like. That's a big deal. And you want to start getting 12's trust. Mm. You and I have been talking about this for three and a half years now, right? Like, young guys, you want to build trust with them? Do something like that. That's what Devontae started doing when we saw him ascend. Um, Even going back, like, uh, Robert Tunyon, uh, in his first season with the Packers, there were a couple of busted plays where I thought, like, Rogers really started to trust him, um, you know, to be an outlet, to be a dump off. And even like that first touchdown uh, that that he caught uh, was sort of a little bit of, of a similar play to what Torre had. So I, I think, you know, that's such a really uh, big deal in in that relationship development moving forward. Um, and so we got our expert. Oh, go ahead. I was just say before we move on, I, I mean, I
3: love what you're saying. And it's we're looking for reasons to get excited. Right. This season, like we're talking about there's got to be some optimism. It's not all doom and gloom. And at every turn, Rodgers has praised this young group of wide receivers. He's obviously criticized them as well and said that they need to get better. But at different points, he's praised each one individually. Dobbs, Watson, to Ray. Now, like I think the, the hope that Packers fans can have for this offense, flipping a switch is that he sees something in each one of these guys it's just all got to come together. So luckily it is a long season and there's a lot of time for those things to work themselves out. But that is, it's part of the story. It's part of the drama, but we get a little bit of it every week as it unfolds um, and we get to know this team a little bit better. But you were going to jump in to
2: what we talk about I was, every week. but now you dragged me into a different kind of conversation. I, I just want to say this really <laughs> quick, okay. right? You're, you're talking about roster development. That That's how I kick the show off the Packers don't really have any wide receivers on the roster next year, except for the three rookies. Yeah. And so if nothing else, if if this season falls apart to see the development of Watson Dobbs and Toure mm-hmm. to see if any of them are players, if any of them have the potential to be a number one, we don't know, maybe a number two, maybe a number three, if the Packers could get their number two and three receiver out of that group of three for the future. That would be a really, really big deal. And I think they have the potential to be really, really productive down the stretch. You see Dobbs starting to get his confidence a little bit, starting to figure it out. Still some mistakes, some bad routes, some guys clearly not doing the right thing. Receivers turning into each other uh, (laughs) or, or running the same route with no depth separation. Uh, But but those are things they're going to figure out, and, and hopefully we start to see the fruits of those mm. labors moving forward. So this is—oh, go ahead.
3: No, no, no. I, I was just going to say I think it's time for us to, to move on to our path to victory. But, man, it is. I mean, we get excited about this because is it is it crazy? I mean, Rodgers is stealing important snaps from Jordan Love with these wide receivers, right? Like, I like, <laughs> thought about that, and I'm joking, but, like, I mean, it's nice that Aaron Rodgers is breaking in these guys for Jordan next year. Like, but well, I, th- I thought about that chemistry obviously builds with Rodgers and you just kind of wonder, like, who's going to be throwing the ball next year? But I mean, it's all fun. It's all it's all going to be interesting oh to see. I know. I think I we just figured out worms. the
2: topic for the bye week, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wait, wait we'll a little bit that for one. that. OK, Um. so this is the part of the show where we talk about what is the Packers path to victory this week? And for me, it's really simple. Follow the Bills' second-half game plan. Like, just run the ball, run the ball some more, then work in quick passes and some play-action shot plays. I Like, I've said this multiple times already, this is a really bad Detroit defense. And this is a team that just had one of their best players and leaders traded away. And I I know people are going to hate me for bringing up baseball, but if you do follow baseball, the Brewers were in first place and sort of fell apart after the Josh Hanks. After Josh Hader was traded, not the Josh Hader. Uh, It wasn't even so much the player, but the clubhouse just felt like management clearly doesn't believe in us. And I think you get that feeling for the Lions. You can get that feeling for the Lions. You could also get the rallying cry of, you know, the Panthers after they traded Christian McCaffrey, but that was also a coaching change. So there's the potential, right? Like, I feel like this team is on a tipping point. They're bad. Dan Campbell's job could be in jeopardy, potentially, and so we start to see a sway. And if you can jump on a team early, if you can make it tough on them, grind them into the ground with the running game, right, like we're talking about, get those safeties down in the box and then let Dobbs and Torrey go to work, and on defense, just play gap sound and then make tackles, right? And I made a comment here, Kyle, that I think you're going to appreciate, it would help if they would let Jair play a ra a decent amount during this game. Um, but I, I really think, like, you get this team on the ropes, and I think they're going to quit. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you pointed
3: out the Jair thing again. I mean, that is just going to be a fun, fun matchup regardless. I mean, you'd think that Jair can handle that, but those guys are going to talk so much and it's going to be a good time. So watch that one. Uh, But I think Andrew laid this out pretty well. It's all about running the football. It's about defense taking away the big play that could keep Detroit just hanging around in the football game. But I'll say that the turnover differential is going to be really, really important. Ford Field has been a tough place for the Packers. um, And it kind of sounds crazy, but outside of Josh Allen, Jared Goff is probably one of the better quarterbacks this defense has placed in Played in a little while, and if the Packers can get a turnover or two, it's going to make it that much easier to lean into the run and not have to press to find offense. So, lots of reasons uh, to just think that it's it's in the basics again. But we've seen this team struggle, and hopefully, this is a week that they can get things figured out.
2: Yeah, this is where we get accused of being overly optimistic. But I do see a path here where the Packers kind of jump on the Lions early and stay on top of them. And we could see a third and fourth quarter where nobody wants to tackle Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. And the Packers just make this a a big, big win. Um, Or we could see another frustrating close game. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) At this point, I think... We have no idea. uh, Expect the unexpected when it comes to your Green Bay Packers. That's right. uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Pack a Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Pack a Day podcast. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five star rating. Fridays at 4 30 Central, our Pack a Day happy hour. So make sure you check that out later today. You can catch Kyle and myself at Every single Friday, and next week we'll be back previewing the Packers' Week 10 matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. And hey, remember to vote next Tuesday. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember.